record. Uh, I want to I let everyone know um, that we have, we have needs at the Rivers Church. Did you know that? So we have a lot of ministry opportunity for you to get involved. So at the Rivers, if you haven't figured out by now, it'll become more clear as I become more and more familiar with you and you with me, that the Rivers is, is not going to be a church where you just come sit on your backside and listen to great worship music and listen to a great sermon and then go home, okay? So the Rivers Church is going to be about everyone gets involved. The Bible's super clear that everybody has a part in the body, okay? So, and everyone has a gift and a talent in the body, and you are... It's not an option whether you operate in that. Well, it is, but you'll be walking in disobedience. So, the, so I just want to encourage you that if you're coming here, we'll give you a few weeks, you know, if you're new, and you're, you know, maybe there's some hard times and you're going through a hard time. We'll give you a couple weeks, let God work on you. But after that, time to pull on the gloves, and this church is going to be about a church of people working together and all using our gifts and talents together to make the gospel available to everyone in the city and everyone that God brings us. Amen? So I wanted to kind of highlight a few things, and I know she's probably going to get mad at me, but Suzanne has um, taken on a task to um, come down on Saturdays and help uh, make the beauty, the beauty, the building look more beautiful. So she's coming down on her own. This was not, this was, you know, and I'm telling you because I want you to know that people are rising up to take those needs, but they still need help. So she's coming up on Saturdays to make sure the carpets look clean and just checking bathrooms and windows and just making sure that, whoa, hey, hey, <laughs> Skip, what are you doing, man? You, you messing me up, man. You trying to fix me? That ain't good. It's going to take a lot more than that. So, so um, I want to make sure that everyone knows that there's a need there, and, and Suzanne's trying to build a team, so if that's something you know that you can do, if you're not involved yet, you can come down and help her with that. So it would be a beautiful thing to come down early. So we have kids' church needs. So we have rotations that we need to start filling where I don't want someone teaching kids' church for 90 straight days, right? So we all need to get in on that and start helping out. And in our size church now, it's a little more work than normal. Are you with me? Yep. Amen. Everyone's smiling going, yeah, we all know that because we're all working. But I, I'm talking to everyone, <coughs> excuse me, here and not here. Okay, so you feel free to share what I'm sharing. Hey, get busy, get to work because we need the help. We need to make sure that everyone is using their gift. Are you, are you, is everyone good with that? Yeah. Sure. Good? All right, cool. Sure, she's done. Coming from a PK, yeah. pastor's kid. She's had a few jobs in her life, right? Yeah. <laughs> She's like, I used to do 15 ministries. <laughs> um, <clears throat> thank you, that's true. And, and, you know, this is where you let the Holy Spirit, your comforter, your, the one that comes alongside you to give you the power and strength to live life effectively for Christ, you talk to him and you ask him, hey, what should I do? Should I get involved and, and try it for a time? Or, you know what I mean? You know, we all need balance in our life. We're all busy. Everyone has, has busyness in their life, so there's no, no one's excused from that. But um, it, you need to do what God's calling you to do, right? And sometimes, though, like Donna said, sometimes we don't do things because we don't think we're able or we're not gifted enough or we're not talented enough or not that. And sometimes we think, well, I'm waiting for God to tell me. Well, sometimes you can be in a state where you're not listening to God because you've already made up your mind what you want to do. So that requires a little humility and a little brokenness on our parts to get before God and humble ourselves and say, okay, God, I've been thinking this way. Is there a way I should change my thinking, right? Amen? So that kind of leads right into our review. And who's been here pretty consistently for the last oh, four, four weeks or so? Raise your hand up. Okay. 
So if you've been here, and if you've made a couple of them, you're going to understand and grasp in here on a review, but <clears throat> we, we have to review so that we understand what God's going. Because has anyone been challenged in the last four weeks in their personal life? Gotcha. Yeah? So I've talked to several of you individually, too, that are going through challenges and feel like the, the, the battle has kind of risen up a little bit beyond the normal. I'm going to get to that in a second and encourage you on that. But I want to review so that we all remember what we're doing, why we're here, why we're in this topic. Because this is an important topic, amen? And if you have notes, everyone have notes on there? Uh, so my first question, I actually put some lines under there, and you can do this on your own notepad as well, but... I was going to ask you, what have you guys learned? What has been something that stood out to you over the last four or five weeks that has changed your thinking a little bit or challenged you um, in your thinking about spiritual warfare and the battle that you're in? Anybody want to volunteer? You can start writing that down. This is an exercise of remembering and, and instilling in our minds, so start writing. But does anyone want to share what, what stood out to them in the last few weeks? Yeah? Right. I mean, I knew that, but it's just this reminder of the reality of it. The reality, yeah. To say, oh, yeah, this going around and to get busy and kind of, you know. Yep. It, and isn't that our default mode? She said that it was the reminder to realize that the real battle's in the spirit realm and not the flesh, right? So, and this is a good reminder to keep us. You know, our default mode is to always go back to what's comfortable, easy, the path of least, least resistance, right? That's where we tentatively want to go in our default. Anyone else? What else stood out? What have you guys learned? What stood out? Because when, I, when I'm preaching, guys, I want you to, this is crazy, I know it's a big ask, but I want you to put into practice what God is speaking through this ministry of the Word. Because it's, it's the Holy Spirit speaking. He happens to be using me, but he can use anybody at any time. But this is the ministry or the, the worship of God's Word, and God is teaching through this. So we need to put that into practice. Robert, you had your hand up. Right, so the enemy speaks in first person, we learn, and that set me free, I know. Anyone else remember that one? Remember, and we remember the enemy, and even in the name devil or diablos, diabolos, right? What, what was that? Throw through. throw through. So bolos, to throw, dial through. So to throw through. So the enemy can tempt us and speak, and then we hear it as a thought thinking, wait, I just had a thought that I, I'm no good. Yeah, I just did blow it. Maybe I am no good. So, good point. Oh, one of, one of you guys, you know, you've been married so long, it's just you're probably the same thing. So, I had to drive this week in really bad weather. I had to drive really rainy weather. And it came to my mind, I was going to be kind of like joking, but to be sober and vigilant the way I was driving because I had to pay attention. I had to go slower. I had to hold the wheel. And it was just, you know. That's good. Yeah, and that was what we learned last week about being alert and vigilant about what's going on in our surroundings. That's a great illustration. And we have to be all the more alert in the spirit because the enemy is strategizing how to manipulate us into incorrect thinking. Michelle, did you have one? Good, awesome. It's kind of, it's like, and that's important that our kids are yeah, getting this so, in a relevant way right. that they can understand. Because who in this room, and I'm sure maybe we would all raise our hands, I know I would, would have liked to learn some of these truths a long time ago, right? Like, who, wouldn't it have been awesome to go through high school confident in what we've been learning the last few weeks about who you are and the battle? I mean, wow, what a difference that would make. Skip, did you? Skip, you, you were doing this? So I know you're very fashionable, but it was like a half hand raise. So go ahead. Yeah, there you go. I knew you could do it. I just didn't want to No, no, I like that. I, I just, the, the cheek, the cheek, whatever. Okay. Um, no, it's like you were just saying. It's, okay, so, yeah, throwing those darts. Right. Um, even when I knew that I was 
where God had me for certain things. Boom. Just now you just need to stop. You need to just, you know, just quit. You need to stop doing that. Don't, you know what? Um, you don't need <coughs> your quiet time in the morning. You're fine. And it was like constant for like this last couple of weeks. Like just nonstop little just, you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, totally. And it's frustrating because, you know, I was like, oh, the other part of it was other people too. Yeah. Say, ah, you don't, you don't need to do right. that. And, and it's like the enemy was using them to throw those darts. Exactly. Did you just point to your wife? In general. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, we need to meet after. Hey, but it's true. I mean, the people that love you the most sometimes are used by the enemy to say the things that hurt the most. You know, so it is, it's important. So we learned that the enemy can use a voice so you can hear, in your thoughts, you can hear God's voice will come as a thought. Your own self-generated thoughts will come as a, as a thought too. And then the enemy can, when he speaks, you hear it as a thought. So that is what we call spirit realm communication. We in the physical move our vocal cords, make sound waves. They go into the ear and we transmit. That's amazing right there. That even happens. But that's how we communicate in this realm. That's not how it works in the spirit realm. So that's why we talked about the thoughts because that's why Paul said, take every thought captive and make it obey Christ. Okay, so that's why we're there. Yes, Leanne. When you were talking about Job and, and that proper translation of, of the, the word and, and that the enemy had his heart set mm. on Job, well, I kind of like made me think of some things that happened in my life that the enemy has his heart set on all of us, but we have weapons. Right. Amen. And so I just felt like, you know, the heart is set on us, but God has given us a hedge of protection. Right. And that's in the word and in the word. And it's important to know both of those, that yes, the enemy prowls around like a lion. Remember, we talked about that last week. And yes, he is, he, he wants to kill, steal, and destroy every part of your life. That's his mission. But we got to know, yes, that God has better plans and he's stronger and bigger. And he is a defeated foe. We're going to talk a little bit about that today, but he is a defeated foe. Aren't you glad for that? Yeah. Okay, one more. Bo. So I know you've been talking about how the enemy just works, and like you talked about um, how he uses our things to others to like say things to us. I know that I try to practice a lot of grace when those kind of things are happening. I try not to fight back. I try to, I'm like, okay, finish your thought, and then we'll talk about it. I like where you're going with that. Right. So I like where you're going. However, you need to be real careful because you don't want to always do what Jesus did to your the significant other and say spouse and go, Satan, get behind me. That might not work. No, you know. So you might not want to say that. But I like where you're going with that because what this teaching will also help you understand is to have grace for people because you know when they're getting all worked up, you'll be like, oh man, there's something. What, what's going on with the words and what's going on in the surface is not the real issue. There's something deeper hurt within that's causing this to be manifesting in the physical realm. So have grace and go, oh God, help them see maybe what that is. Because you could be saying something that you would think, oh, they're being angry, and, and then the root cause of that anger could be rejection in their childhood that just has never been dealt with. And so they have an angry, an angry attitude and spirit. Last one. Twice now. <laughs> yes, sir. Yeah. Um, what I really um, absorbed would be how a lot of it is Satan, like like you said, is, is trying to get in there and put those thoughts in your head. I'm thinking like, okay, if it was Satan, it'd be like serious, it'd be real bad stuff. <coughs> not, not this little stuff. Oh, you're not good enough for this, or right, right. Be. But then when you're talking about, like, that's how you start. It's by the little stuff getting in there, and then. Yeah, like we learned on the wall, the, yeah. the wall. Remember the little thoughts that were the basic ones. That's a good one. And that, we have to be alert of that, knowing that too. Um, so we learned a lot. Um, I'm just going to go over a quick, quick list here just so we review so we're all on the same page. But we talked about that. We're all in a war. We talked about the we must know why we fight and for whom. Remember, knowing your purpose and why you're fighting is just as important as the battle, right? 
So we knew that we're fighting for our promised land, which we saw a picture of that in the Old Testament. And today we're fighting for all the promises of God in our lives to be yes and amen. Uh, we must know why we fight. So, and we need to understand how our enemy fights. So we've talked about a lot of strategies. And um, are we recording? Okay, good. Um, and you're fixing the voice again. I must really sound bad today. Should I use my deep, sexy voice then when I preach? <laughs> All right, so then we learned the main uh, enemy, uh, the tactic of the enemy was to throwing, throwing thoughts. We learned that. Next, uh, stronghold. Remember, we learned what a stronghold is and how we disarm the stronghold. So if you weren't there for that one, listen to it online. But that one was about the wall we built up here, and we learned that a, that a stronghold, a spiritual stronghold, is a bunch of thoughts and arguments that you've lost with the enemy, and now you believe that. So then that yokes you to the enemy in bondage. Remember the yoke part? Don't be unequally yoked with a non-believer, the Bible says, but we learn the principle in there is that being yoked, when you believe a lie, you yoke yourself to that lie and it connects you to it, and then thus, uh, it controls you. When you believe a lie, you are allowing someone else to control you. Think about that. So then we learn how to dismantle that. We learn the power of agreements. What you believe, right? What you believe in your heart is going to come out your mouth. What a man thinks about himself, so is he. We learn the power of agreements. When you shake hands, remember, with the enemy and you come into agreement, you give power to the enemy. And then we talked last word about being alert, right? What uh, Kelly said. And then we also learned about protecting the hedge. Remember when Job, remember when the enemy was walking around, we found out what he was walking around. He was walking around Job's life because God had a protection, a hedge around him, a hedge of protection around him, and Satan was trying to figure out a way to get through the hedge. And so we got to go, all right, let's be alert and sober-minded, because every one of you has a hedge around their life. And the way we live our life and the faith we exercise and the spiritual disciplines we do help that hedge be strong or very weak. And some of you may be going through a lot of struggles right now, and that's because you've left a hole somewhere in your hedge. And a good prayer to do is say, God, Help me see the hedge of protection and where my weak spots in my wall, because I want that wall strong. Amen? You want to have your defenses up. <laughs> and then we learn um, the strategies of the ultimate warrior last week. So in your notes there, too, I want you to think about uh, what we talked about last week and about, remember when Jesus was tempted by Satan in the wilderness? And remember the, the nine things we went through what stood out to you in that battle? And we're not going to go through discussion on this, but I just want you to write in there, what stood out to you in that battle when Jesus fought the enemy? What stood out to you? Remember, uh, one of them may have been how he quickly used the, used the word of God in every defense. Another one could be he never got into a, 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 a conversation with the enemy, right? Remember, he was, remember, one of the things we learn is that the enemy will come when you're at your weak point. He was fasting, the enemy likes to catch you when you're down. Something's going wrong, a traumatic event. He likes to come in and use that opportunity while your defenses are down or you're tired or you're run down from work or over, overexerting yourself physically. That can be an open door. So just write down in there, and I want you to think about that this week. What, what stood out to you, and what, how are you going to apply that to your life this week? <clears throat> All this preaching should be an application for you to put into practice every week. Amen? So before we get into today, I want to talk about a little bit about encouragement because I really felt by the Holy Spirit that there was a lot of people here going, getting attacked as we've been discussing this over the last five weeks. It's kind of risen up anymore, and that's why a lot of people get scared when they start fighting for what's theirs because we're in a war, remember? So in a war, it's just not one-sided. When you when you fight, the enemy fights back, remember? Remember that? In, in Revelations, we saw the arch, arch, archangel and the, the fight and the war, right? Enemy fought, fought back. There was, a, there was a fight. So don't be alarmed when you get a pushback, okay? <clears throat> deliverance, which we'll learn the word deliverance today a little more, is about liberty and freedom. Deliverance is not an event, but rather a process, and that's your first fill in the blank. So fill that in. Deliverance is not an event... But a process, a lot of people think Christian is about raising your hand, accepting Jesus, and then he makes everything okay, and then you just live your life, the rest of your life however you want to live it. Well, we all know that's not true, right? But sometimes in our subconscious, even in our conscious minds, we can think that's, wait a minute, there shouldn't be no more fights, man. Jesus won the battle, right? He's the king of kings, right? 
right? So then I should have a merry, merry life. So we know that's not true, but we got to remind ourselves. And I want to encourage you today that this getting free portion is not about a one-time event, but it's a process about becoming more and more like Jesus. It's your life. And there's going to be highs and lows in that life, but you've got to keep that in mind that it's not about the, it's not ends to the mean, or, or means to the end. It's a, the process is the, the, the end. That's your goal. We, sometimes we get in our minds as Christians, we're always pushing forward to finally arrive to that Christian la-la land. And, and that's kind of the way it's preached in churches. Like, if you just do one through five on my five easy ways to live a Christian life, then you'll experience joy and happiness. So we, but we're, and so our minds are set that we're always looking to finally arrive somewhere. Oh, if I could just get this, if I could just get this job, if I could just date this person, if I could just get rid of this person, or if I could just get more money, or whatever it is, we're looking for that to provide happiness for us and completeness. So in Christianity, we're always thinking about finally getting to that plateau. But the Bible says that the process of getting is the plateau. So it's the journey that matters. So quit trying to look for some other state that you want to be in. Be content with the state you're in and learn what God wants you to learn in this particular chapter in your life. Because once you fill that chapter, you can move on to the next chapter. Right? So God's going to keep taking you through his school until you learn the present teaching that he's trying to teach you. Everyone in this room, including me, are going through a school classroom to prepare us for eternity, and even for this life, but more so for eternity to rule and reign with Christ. And God wants you, you have to get certain principles down before you can be on his team, right? I'm talking about in the company of Jesus, who's going to rule and reign forever. That's what your Bible say. So you have to pass the class. If you don't, you have to repeat the class. That's no fun. Anyone ever had to repeat a class? Not very fun. So humble yourself, ask God, take it on and accept it, and take it on with joy like James tells us. Consider these trials, these teachings, this class as pure joy. Why? Because it's developing in you the awesome person that's already in you that Christ sees and wants to complete you and present you to the Father. You with me? It's good news right there. So be encouraged that it's not an event, it's a process. And I put Galatians, uh, Galatians 6, 7 on there. Listen to this verse. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh, of the flesh he'll reap corruption, but he who sows in the spirit of the spirit will reap everlasting life. So that shows the process. If we're putting our time into the flesh and the things of this world, we're going to reap troubles, heartaches, and stress, and all that crud. But if we're sowing into the spirit, into things that are eternal, not temporal, but eternal things we're, we're investing in, we're going to reap those things not only here, but even in the, in, in the life to come. And then it goes on to say in verse 9, which is one of my a favorite verse, and let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season, we shall reap if we do not lose heart. So don't become weary in doing good. Don't become tired of the fight that you're in because if you stay consistent and on it, you're gonna graduate from that class. You're gonna experience joy from completing that lesson and learning that character quality that, that you need in you. And then you're gonna have a period and a time of, yes, that was awesome. Thank you, God, you're so great. And then God's like, okay, ready for class number 22. Yes, Lord, let's go for it. Because the joy is becoming who he's created us to be. <laughs> and, yeah, are you still on three again? Okay, we got to talk coffee, me and you. Okay. <laughs> the next encouraging thing I wanted to bring you this morning is, is about Moses. And if you remember the story of Moses um, as the deliverer when he came to uh, Pharaoh, remember he came to Pharaoh and he said, hey, let my people go. So a, lo a lot around that story. But so we know Moses, he tried to, he said, hey, you're going to be the deliverer. Remember, he killed the guy or the guy killed him. He got all afraid and left and ran out and did all the stuff and came back, right? So he's back, and he's, gonna, he's supposed to, and so he has this message from God, God, go set my people free, Moses. And he complained, I can't do it. Da, da, da. So anyway, we're at the point where he goes to Pharaoh, and he says, Pharaoh, 
God says, let my people go, right? And Pharaoh is a picture of the old life, so of the enemy of that old fleshly carnal life that we were saved out of. Egypt was a picture of the old life. And so Moses is saying, hey, deliverance is getting out of this, and I want you to come into, into your new life. So Moses says, let my people go. And Moses, I, you know, he, I, I, maybe he didn't know, but you think, was Moses really thinking that Pharaoh was just going to be like, oh, gee, Willikers. <laughs> yeah, to go, go ahead and take them. Yeah, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, that guy. But we all know Pharaoh thought he was God because the Egyptian pharaohs thought they were God. And so um, Pharaoh said this in verse 17 of Exodus 5. He said, Pharaoh said, lazy, that's what you all are, lazy. That, that's why you keep saying, let us go sacrifice to the Lord. Now get back to work. You will not be given any straw, yet you must produce your full quota of bricks. How does that apply today? That applies today when you try, when you, you have freedom and you learn the truth of freedom and some of you have had new things learned over the last few weeks and you're trying to implement those into your life, what happens? The, qu the quota stays the same and now something else is added to you. The point is, is that when you start walking towards your freedom, you're gonna start going against the grain and upstream and things will start to hit you and that's good news. That's okay. It would be kind of scary if you tried to make changes and there was no resistance at all. And some of you are like, well, that would be fine with me. <laughs> but that's not how it works. So I want to encourage you this morning that as you're, don't become weary in doing good. Don't become weary in the fight. Don't get tired because the prize is worth it. And, and though things are coming against you, that should be good news. You know why? Because the enemy is saying, oh, crud. If they figure this truth out and they pass this class, my life's done. I'm going to have to redo my whole strategies as they figure this one out. Look, because the enemies in your life, some of you have been struggling with the same thing so long. Your enemy's on a hammock, kicking back, because you can't pass the class. And that's why when truth of God's word comes up and you're challenged and you start implementing some of those practices and then all hell breaks loose, the reason is, is you're disturbing his rest because it's not the devil. The devil himself, Satan, can only be in one place. But his kingdom and cohorts are working on you, and their assignment, they're assigned to you. That's how it works. Just like you're assigned in Hebrews chapter 1, a ministering angel or spirit. God assigns to you a ministering angel for your life to help and assist you. The same way hell copies that, there's assignments on you. You have to understand that principle because when you learn truth, you get rid of lies, you start coming into a new chapter in your life, those demons are like, oh man, this one's been working for 15 years. What are we going to do now? Because then you become more effective. You start reaching people in your neighborhood. Christ starts manifesting more through you. You've unclogged the drains, and now you can let God just flow out of you, and you're, you're being a blessing to people and not a curse anymore. So be encouraged that resistance is okay. A little hard times is good. That means you're on the right track. Be encouraged. Stay strong. Be alert. Keep fighting. Don't give up because it's worth it. All the time, every time. All right, so let's move into today's concept. I want to bring to you uh, the concept of getting free really was a, a, the reason Jesus came to life. I, I, labeled, I, I labeled this sermon Mission Possible because sometimes it feels like a mission impossible. It feels sometimes like when we see it all at once, we, we kind of get overwhelmed. And go, Can I really do this? Am I strong enough for this? And so I wanted to lay out a pattern of this mission possible for you so that you will know this is very common in the scriptures about what we've been talking about the last few weeks. So Jesus summed up his purpose in Luke 4. And if you remember in Luke 4, he answers the question of what God's mission to Jesus was. In fact, Isaiah, hundreds of years before, prophesied about Jesus and Jesus, so cool, I love this. Can you picture this? Jesus coming into the regular temple meeting. He just, it would almost be like Jesus just walks in right now and we're old Jews and we're on the traditions and we're just reading all this stuff and being all thinking we're knowing what's up and we don't. And Jesus walks in and he gets up and he says, oh, where's your Bible? He opens the scroll to Isaiah, who was a guy that prophesied hundreds of years before we even were born, right? And he says, he reads a portion of scripture and says, this prophecy has just been fulfilled right in front of your eyes. 
with me. That, that's what Jesus did. So you can imagine the, the, the Pharisees were ticked. In fact, quickly after this, they tried to kill him. You realize they tried to kill Jesus very early in his ministry. So he got up and he read the scriptures, and this is what he read. <clears throat> he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, Jesus speaking, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set those who are oppressed, to set free those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. Interesting. I, I want to dig deeper in that, and I want to find, I want to look at the pattern of what was the pattern that Jesus, what did he say he was really going to do there? Because we can read through that and go, oh yeah, that's cool, you know, preach the gospel, help people get free, da 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 but I want you to, if we look and dig into some of these words, we're going to see some meanings that I think are going to be applicable to us today, and even in your life today, that you could take home with you. So let's look at that. So let's dig a little deeper. <clears throat> let's look at, at the Luke 4, chapter, or chapter 4, 18, and let's look at the first uh, scripture there. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. So was this to the absolute poor with no money, or was this poor in something else, or both? Yeah. Both. So yeah, did Jesus come to the actual poor? Yeah, he did. But what was Jesus really after? Because it wasn't really about how much money you had, right? Remember Jesus said, the poor in spirit shall... What? The poor in spirit shall what? Poor in spirit, show. Come on, look it up, somebody. Is that it? Uh. It's the beatitude. So let's just look at the principle. The poor in spirit will figure out the real reason Jesus came. So the poor in see, he went to the poor in spirit because those are the people that really understood their need. Because, huh? Good job, James. Thank you, D. So theirs is the kingdom of heaven, meaning the poor in spirit, the ones that know that they need God and they haven't figured it out, right? Because the Pharisees, did they think they needed God? Right? No, they, they thought they had it figured out. But it was the poor in spirit, the ones that came to an understanding of going, oh my gosh, I am lost, I need a savior. So the mission of Jesus was to go into the world and preach that good news to the poor those people that knew that they needed Christ and that they, without Christ, could not do it. So it was a, a not a works mentality because, remember, in that time in Judaism, they were earning salvation. It was all about obeying the law, structure. If I do this and this and this, and if I bring this many, and they had all their ties and all their rules, and it was whoever could obey the best was the best and the most righteous because they equated righteousness to obedience, right? So... When, when Jesus came and this pattern is beginning to unfold before us, he's coming to preach the gospel, which is the good news about what Christ would provide to the people that really understood that they needed it. Okay, so remember that because this is something that you and me have to do. <clears throat> now let's look at the next uh, uh, sentence, which says, he has sent me to proclaim release to the captives. Okay, you can't read that one too quick, but if you think about it, Jesus is saying, I'm speaking a release to captives. What does that bring to your mind? Jail, freedom, what else? The Pharisees, the Pharisees. <laughs> everybody. So let's look at that. So the, the Greek word for release actually is translated deliverance. But if you look at this Greek word, it speaks of freedom and really a pardon. So a release from a sentence. <laughs> King James has translated it deliverance, forgiveness, liberty, and remission. Interesting. So it's talking about, he says, he has sent me to proclaim release, freedom. He has uh, sent me to proclaim a pardon, okay? He has sent me to proclaim uh, forgiveness, liberty, remission. All those words included in that Word deliverance. So Jesus was sent to proclaim this to the captives. Now, who were the captive? 
Well, everybody, but when you think of captive, what do you think of? A prisoner, right? So if you look in this Greek word, it's very interesting because the Greek word has the definition of uh, two words of a spear. So part of that word is a spear and, a, and meaning a prisoner of war. And if you look into the root of that word, it means to take captive of. So what that word really describing is someone that's at spear point. So it's not just you're in prison sitting in your cell. It's better that you're, today's language, you'd be at gunpoint. Mm -hmm. So it's the enemy having you at gunpoint. This just isn't a prison. This is a real live threat. A, a knife. So, yes, don't no, no. Yes, legally, but practically, that's where we come in and have to do our part. So he said, he has sent me to proclaim freedom to the person who has a gun at their head. Now, is that physical or spiritual? Figurative, right? Okay. So, if it, so would it be in that, yes, in the, in the physical, but our, our, our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's against spiritual places and people, right? Beings. So think about this. Jesus is saying to us, he's come to proclaim a pardon or a freedom or a deliverance from those who have the enemy pointing a gun at their head and keeping them in bondage. So just think about because I know there's people here today that are struggling with stuff in their life where they feel like they are at spear point of the enemy. Have you ever felt that way when you're trying to get free from stuff and you try a little bit and, ah, ah, that hurts. Or you go, oh, oh, whoa, there's a gun pointed at my head. Bondage and makes you feel like you are at spear point or you do have a spiritual figurative gun at your head where you get frozen. Have you ever been so scared you couldn't move or talk? Anyone ever do that? You ever had a dream where you wake up and you're like, you can't move? You know, crazy. Yes, exactly, that frozenness. That's what this word talks about. So the pattern that Jesus is, is saying and that the reason he was sent was to release us, to free us from that prison where we're under guard with a spear and the enemy's got us, right? So just think about that. The enemy, some of you got with a spear point and you're unable to move. But Jesus said, I'm proclaiming release. The next, the next uh, sentence says, and recovery of sight to the blind. So he's freeing us from, he's pardoning us from a spear point or a gun point experience, right? And then he says, I'm going to give recovery to people that are blind. Now, was that uh, physical? It was. Jesus prayed for people and they, they got eyesight, but was that his main point? No. no. The body's not the main point. Your spirit's the real deal. So he was saying, not just, yeah, I'm going to show, I'm going to pray for people, and people are going to become uh, able to see that weren't. But even in this word, if you look at the Greek word, uh, toflos, it means this, blind, but as if a smoky screen comes up. So what it's really talking about is not literal blindness. It's about a, a you can't see clearly. It's distracted. There's something in front of you not, not giving you the ability to see forth. And if you look into the root of that word, it's a derivative from um, to be enveloped with smoke. You ever gone and all of a sudden driving and you drive into fog and it's like, whoa, that's kind of the picture of the word. So he's coming to give freedom and recovery so that people that are in a fog, in a daze that can't see properly can now all of a sudden see. And look at the figurative meaning of this word, which means to inflate with self-conceit. So these are the people like the Pharisees and like all of us at times in our life have been like, where we get puffed up to where we think we're able, we know who we are, but we're so blind. We think we can see clearly, but we're in a smoke screen. And Jesus said, I've come to help people that can't see their situation clearly they can't look in the mirror and see themselves clearly. Think about that. There's some people that when they look in their mirror at themselves, all they hear is hate, condemnation, um, no good, all that. Jesus said he's come to help you recover your proper way that you should see yourself. 
He's recovering the blind. See, because we're spiritually blind, we can't see ourselves the way God sees us. And because we can't see ourselves, we surely can't see other people the way God wants us to see them. How can you look at someone else when you're so clouded you can't even see yourself for who God's really made you to be, right? So Christ says, I'm coming to recover those that have been in a fog and can't see who they really are and who others are. So they have this bad vision, spiritual vision. <laughs> right? There's a spiritual fog. The Bible talks about blinders of the eyes. Look at the next one. To set free those who are oppressed. So it's interesting that in the prior verse where it said the free of the spear, to bring deliverance, same Greek word, but here they said to set free. So it's the same word deliverance, Pardon, freedom, forgiveness, liberty, remission, deliverance. So all those words included a fullness of, of, of freedom. But this word, the word for oppressed, means to be bruised or crushed. So when you look at this word, you talk about it's almost a, a smiting through, a, to shatter something um, to those that are bruised, but it has the meaning in the word of broken or you're shattered or broken by calamity or by a past event. How many of us today, and we know people and ourselves, have a past event that really has just bruised us, beat us down, and shattered us? Shattered us spiritually, shattered us emotionally. We're dealing with something bad. It's the parents died, a broken relationship, a bad whatever, some calamity. And Jesus is saying that, look, I'm bringing freedom. I'm bringing a pardon that's saying, and in this deliverance, Jesus is not just saying, I'm here to free you. He's here I'm here to let you know that you no longer have to be under that oppression. You're free from that. Remember the Emancipation Proclamation. Same concept. They were free. It was declared, presidential order, you are free. But until they learn, I'm going to read this later, they didn't know they were free, and so they stayed in bondage. But Jesus was saying, look, you're free from this. You don't have to stay broken, you don't have to have the same viewpoint that you are, are oppressed and controlled by this past event in your life. How many of us would like to get free from a past event that keeps us from living fullness today because of what happened in the past? And then verse 19, it says, to proclaim <coughs> the uh, favorable year of the Lord. This verse talks about the time being now. Jesus said, this scripture is fulfilled in your eyes right in front of you and he said i'm here to proclaim that the favor of god is on the kingdom of god is here now first corinthians says for he says in a favorable time i have listened to you and in the day of salvation i have helped you behold now is the favorable time behold now is the day of salvation so jesus is saying this declaration that i'm signing with my own blood starts now all the authority, all that you need for it is coming now because I am here, I'm fulfilling prophecy. This is all available in Christ. Isn't it good to know that this pattern, this mission that seems impossible, God's made possible, and not only did he do it, but he took his disciples through it as well. Now look at this. Now this is interesting. Jesus shows us this pattern throughout his ministry and even the early church. So as we looked at what he said in Isaiah, translated that into Luke, and he gave us that pattern of what he was here for to set the captives free. So does this relate to any of the things we've been talking about the last five weeks? Right? Yeah. Under spear, captivity, bondage, freedom, spiritual battle, warfare. Oh, yeah. It's all about that. Let's quickly look through this because Jesus did it himself. So he set the example. In Mark 10.1, in your notes there, I put, So Jesus then left that place and went into the region of Judea and across to Jordan, Again, crowds of people came to him, as was his custom. He taught them. And if you look through the Gospels, it was Jesus' custom to go into the temple and teach the people, right? Because he never, in any case that you can see in the Bible, he never just started healing without first really helping people understand that the Gospel was here, what that message was, and taught them the truth. Jesus was about truth. He said, I am the truth right? So he was the truth. So that truth of his message and story was helping the people of his time, and us today, of course, but helping them get free from the lies that they have believed that they didn't have the power to do what Jesus was doing. 
And so Jesus said, look, I've done this. He went and taught everywhere. And then in Mark 1, 32, we see what he did. That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed, which is a bad translation. Remember, we learned that. So it was demonized. So you could say, that evening after sunset, people brought to Jesus all those who were sick and and severely influenced by demons. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. So see this pattern. Jesus is coming, he's preaching in the temples, and then he goes right into ministry work. And what does he do almost every time in ministry? Heals the sick, casts out demons. What is the casting out demons about? Is it about just casting out a demon, or is it about speaking truth into a lie? Remember, the bondage is about the lie. The kicking the, kicking the demon out is actually the easier part. The harder part is realizing what you're believing to be truth, and it's not. That's the hard part, to change that in our minds. But we see this pattern. Jesus did this all throughout. You read the Gospels. Read Mark. Read Luke. Man, you'll just see Jesus at time after time, city after city. They all came, and they all were healed. There's scriptures where it says every one of them got healed. He cast, sometimes it says he just cast devils out. Sometimes he said someone was sick. He cast a demon out, and the sickness left with the demon. So look, and I'm looking for patterns. I'm looking for a mission statement that God, God is saying, this is how it works. We went through Isaiah. He said, this is what I'm, I'm setting captives free. I'm opening blind eyes that can't see themselves. I'm taking care of past hurts. I'm doing all this stuff, right? So then not only did he do it, but then the 12 did it. Okay, the 12 did it. Matthew 10, 5 says this, then Jesus, uh, Jesus sent out the 12 after uh, instructing them to not go in the way of the Gentiles, not to enter the city of Samaritans, but rather go to the lost sheep first of Israel. And as you go, he said, preach, right? Preach the word, teach first. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Then heal sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons, so he's telling us this is the ministry of Isaiah 61, is to set people free. What did he say first? Go preach, go teach, go proclaim truth, go tell them that they're pardoned, go tell them that they're free, go tell them that they no longer have to be in subject to the enemy anymore, they don't have to suffer in this way anymore, God's setting them free, tell them that, and then go do it. Put into practice what you've just taught. Now, I want you to notice in Matthew, this is very interesting, and and the Holy Spirit caught my eye many years ago, never forget it, but I want to point it out to you guys, because a lot of times we think of the disciples like, oh my gosh, you know, there's people that actually idolize and worship them, you know, they they some really pray to Mary, and we we know that is incorrect, we don't do that, They they have all mistakes and just like us, they're a sinner in need of Jesus just like us. But I want you to look at the end of there, after he said, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. Jesus said this to the disciples. Listen, freely you have received, freely give. What was he saying? Yes, but what else is he saying? Freely you have received. What did they receive? Right, But what did the disciples, Jesus said, look, go do this, cast out devils, preach the gospel, heal the sick. He says, freely you've received. Thank you. Do you see the truth there? Jesus said, guys, you've all received what I just said. I've healed some of you. I cast demons out of some of you. I've lepers, I've healed you, I've structured you. The disciples needed deliverance and freedom just like you and me. I know that's a hard concept to get in your mouth because sometimes we, oh, we idolize the disciples. God used them by his Holy Spirit. Awesome. I respect, love, thankful for Paul in writing two-thirds of the New Testament. But we cannot forget that there is none righteous. No, not one. I don't care who you are. You're susceptible to lies. I don't care what you've done. And if you can get this in your mind, freely you have received, freely give. So I, what Jesus is saying is, guys, we've been together. I've taught you all this. I've prayed on all you guys. We've prayed for you. We've got you free from all your junk from your past. 
Oh, the, the disciples, they had some messed up stuff, right? Yeah. If we want to get into disciples and their, their righteousness on their own, okay, you know, that's an easy, easy one. So Jesus saying, look, guys, I've done all this with you. Now you freely receiving this and got freedom and health. Now the only natural response is for you to freely give. So uh, that's just a, a thing to understand about deliverance and freedom. It would, just wasn't for the certain people. Everyone needs it. A pastor in, I think, Michigan wrote a book, and he said, it's not about if you're influenced by the kingdom of hell, it's how much you're influenced by the kingdom of hell. Meaning, a lot of us like to think, oh, no, I'm, I don't have, no, I'm, I'm a good Christian, and I'm, I'm just almost, almost perfect, almost perfect. <laughs> so it's really not about that, it's about where are you influenced. So, moving right along. So the 12 did it, so they went out. Freely they received, I just love that, I learned a lot from that, that just changed, blew my mind. Freely they received, the disciples freely give. So verse 6, so they were departed, they went through the towns preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. And then later on it says, we went to heal the sick, uh, but not to tell them that they were free from the, uh, we want to heal the sick, but not to tell them that they were free for enemies. Some of us have the idea that we want to go preach the gospel, but not produce what that gospel means. We got to get in that habit of going, hey, we just can't tell people about Jesus, but we got to take them through prayer and freedom. So the 12 did it, the 72 did it. And I like the 72. Stay with me, guys. I know this, I know it's getting long, but the 72 is exciting because we don't know their names. And a lot of us go, well, that was Jesus. I can't do that. Well, that was the disciples. They were special. They had a special anointing that we don't have. That's a lie, by the way. Just, that, that's not true. But the 72, we don't know all their names. They were just whoever, right? And I, I want you to know that your name's in there. We're one of the 72. Luke 10, 1 and 2 says, After these things the Lord appointed 70 others, excuse me, 70, not 72, 70 others also, and sent them two by two before his face um, into every city and placed where he himself would go about. Verse 9, these 70 healed the sick there and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near you. And then look later on. So they were sent out to do the very same thing the 12 were sent out, the very same thing Jesus did. Now in verse 17 of Luke 10, the 70 returned with joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Now couldn't they have said a bunch of other stuff? I mean, come on, why did the Bible record that versus, hey, we, pre we had big crowds? Or, hey, I preached a really good sermon, man, I felt the anointing. I mean, they could, and, and how about, wouldn't you think that if you came back to Jesus and you said, uh, you, you saw all this healing, wouldn't you, wouldn't you tell Jesus, Jesus, I prayed for this one guy's leg and it totally grew out, right? That stuff happened. So it's amazing to me that when the 72 came back, what was recorded in scriptures is that they said, even the demons are subject to us, Lord. You gave us authority. We went out in your name and did what you told me to do and what you did, Jesus, and now we're doing it, and they're, they're listening to us just, like, just as though we were you. Do you know what? That's what they're saying. They're, Jesus, they're acting as though I was you, and they obeyed, and it was awesome. That's authority structure, and it's just the same. You can go out as a representative of Christ. So then in Acts, they did it. Acts uh, 5 and 12, the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders among the people, and all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colony, so they met together for teaching. No one else uh, dared join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless, more and more of them believed and added to the number. As a result, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them in the beds and mats, and Peter's shadow might fall on them. So this is after Christ left, ascended to the heavens, and now... People are getting healed by a shadow. Crowds are gathering. And then they're bringing their sick. Listen to this, verse 16. Crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick to those tormented by evil spirits, and most of them were healed. Oh, it says all. The Bible says all. So we see the pattern. Jesus did it. He had the 12. He showed them. They did it. Then they showed the 70. They did it. Right? Then in Acts, you see the early church doing it, and then you see the second century church doing it, which we, don't have, re we have records of, but I have a book called Three Crucial Questions About Spiritual Warfare, and in this book, Clinton C. Arnold goes into the archives of old manuscripts. He goes to the colleges where they have these archives of old letters from bishops 
from one bishop to another, and this is like in 200 AD. So this is after the apostles are, are gone, but these are the guys that are learning directly from their practice. So I want you to get a hold of this because our church history, we know that we went through dark ages where a lot of scriptures and, and the, the Holy Spirit died out for a time, almost, for the most part, but it's been revived back through the re renewing times of this time in, in the early 1900s and even through the Reformation period. But Clinton C. Arnold did a great work by going back and investigating how did the early church see deliverance? This, this pattern I'm telling you about, right? How did the early church view this? Because wouldn't it be important? Because we can interpret what we do by the scriptures best we can 2,000 years later. But these guys, these bishops, they, they might have known Paul or their dad or brother did. And we're talking maybe one generation. So if they interpreted what the ministry was back then, wouldn't that be a clear interpretation of what the scripture meant or what the process was to be? Then 2,000 later, us trying to figure it all out through history, right? So we see a pattern. Jesus does it, 12 do it, 70 do it, early church does it. Now we see in second century, check this out. So this was an early letter that he read between bishops. So I'm going to read for you, I think, if I can see it. So just before their baptism, many of these new believers went through a time of deliverance ministry when a church leader would cast out any evil spirits present in their lives. This is well illustrated by two excerpts from the apostolic tradition. So this is the quote. So moreover, from the day they are chosen, let a hand be laid on them and let them be exercised daily. And when the day draws near unto which they are to be baptized, let the bishop himself exercise each one of them that he may be certain that all that he is purified. Exercise means to cast out demons. But if there is anyone who is not purified, let him be put on one side because he did not hear the word of instruction with faith, for the evil and strange spirit remaineth in him. So that's, and then later on you read down, and they, I'll read a little bit more. As the new Christians were baptized, they were also instructed to make a verbal renunciation of Satan. So early in this church, they say, and, and the presbyter would take hold of each one of those who were about to be baptized and let him uh, bid him renounce, saying, I renounce thee, Satan, and all thy services and all thy works. They confessed and renounced their practices. What they would do, they would take people that were in building idols, and they would have them go through this ritual, or building, or magicians, or certain things that they would you know, would bring on the enemy's uh, influence, they would have them renounce that. And then it, later on it talks about where they would hold them to the side before they were baptized. Why am I telling you this? I want you to see this mission. I want you to see the pattern of this, this mission that is now possible through Christ that we can do the same. Amen? Amen. Get my notes here. Why did I go all the way over here? Skipped a bunch. All right, so now we've seen all the way to the second surgery doing this. Now, time for the wake-up call, and we're about done, and we can go. So if you're hungry, you're okay. John 20, 21, and 23 says this. Listen to this. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. As the Father has sent me, Isaiah 61, we just looked at it, so I'm sending you, 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 Jesus has sent you to show freedom for those who are at gunpoint by hell. Jesus is sending you, church. He has sent you. He is crying out for us, the church, to rise up in our rightful authority and to go help people that are being held at gunpoint by Satan and in bondage, and they can't get out because they're frozen. They don't know how to. They don't know. They haven't heard about the freedom. Jesus has sent you to help those to see themselves as God sees them. He's sent you guys to help people see themselves correctly as God sees them. Jesus has sent you guys to show people that they have a pardon from their past, that their past can no longer hold them down and keep them from a future. God is sending you to do that. John 14, 12 says this, I tell you the truth, if anyone has faith in me, 
to do what I have done, have been doing, he will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father and I will do whatever you ask in my name. Jesus is saying this to you, church, so that the Son may be, bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. The Emancipation Proclamation by President um, Abraham Lincoln was given on January 1st in 1863. Listen to this. It changed the federal legal status of more than 3 million enslaved people in the uh, designated areas of the South to be free from slavery. As soon as the slave accepted the control of the Confederate government, then they were declared free and slavery became illegal. They were free at that moment. And what Jesus did is the same thing for us guys, but you know what? The world and some Christians don't know that. They don't know that they're free, or they don't understand the concept that they can be spiritually free. And it's our job, guys, to realize and go out and tell people and do this ministry. This is why I've spent a few weeks on this, so that we can learn the basics of it, so that we could not only get ourselves free, but start getting others free. Are you with me? Colossians Colossians 2, 14 says this. Having wiped out the handwritten requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, having disarmed principalities and powers, he has made an open public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in the cross. Guys, as you go forth, you need to know that Jesus has erased the written requirements and fulfilled those. And he has disarmed principalities and powers. You don't have to be afraid to fight spiritually. He has disarmed them. Actually, the word disarmed means this, to strip one naked. So really what God did with Satan and everything he had before, he totally stripped all of his armor, weaponry, and he's just bare buck spiritually naked with no more power. That's why he goes around like a lion, not a lion. He's a deceiver now. All he can do is deceive and trick you to get you to believe lies so that he can have control in your life. He can't make you do stuff. He doesn't have that power. Colossians tells us he was stripped. And Jesus made a public spectacle of him. And what they used to do in the old days, they used to strip the the enemies naked and make them march through the town as a defeated foe. And that's what Jesus did when he died and went down into the belly of the earth. He stripped the enemy of power. And then he marched him through all the kingdom, showing off, made an open public spectacle. Jesus made an open public spectacle of of the enemies of the cross and marched him through, all stripped and embarrassed and defeated. That's good news. I don't know if that doesn't excite you. I don't know what will. But church, I know, right? You can go forth knowing, guys, that you have the power to do this and Follow this example. This is a mission possible for you today to go forth and get yourself free and then help others get free. Amen? Let's pray. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we love you. We thank you so much for your good word, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that you provided not only eternal life, but you provided eternal life now. Lord, you have stripped down the powers of the enemy by your great work on the cross, and we're so thankful for that, Lord. And letters, we're just all bowing in prayer, God, and just so thankful for your word and and just the mission that's before us. God, I just want to speak courage over those that are feeling a little discouraged. And if you, with every head bowed and eye closed, I just, I feel like the Holy Spirit's saying, if you feel like this is something you want to do, but you're a little, you're kind of scared or you don't feel like you have the courage, can you raise your hand? I want to pray for you if that's you. Like, you want to do this, but you just feel a little scared. You have a few hands going up. That's great. Anyone else? Just raise your hand, and I'm just, we're not going to make you do anything. I just want to pray for you. So, Lord, you see those hands that are raised, God. And, Lord, you know their hearts. And, God, I pray for a, the Holy Spirit of courage and power. Exousio, God, the Greek word for power over them by your Holy Spirit, God, to give them the words to say. Give them the wisdom to articulate to their friends and family on how to get free, God. 
Give them the passion in their heart and the clear mind of Christ in them to speak the gospel of truth and then to have all faith and assurance and confidence that when they speak forth and pray for somebody that they will be healed, they will be set free. So Lord, I'm praying that over each one that raised their hand as an admission that they need your help, God. So we're praying that in the name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you for that, God. You're so good. And, and if you're here today, maybe, and you have never asked Christ into your life, I want to give you that opportunity because you can't begin to fight a spiritual battle until you have surrendered to the king of kings and the king of all, all the universe, and his name is Jesus. And if that's your uh, desire today, if you've never done that before and that's your heart's desire, would you raise your hand? I want to pray with you. If you've never asked Jesus to be your Lord, you've never surrendered your life to him, you've never made him the king of kings in your heart, if you want to do that today, I want to give you a, an opportunity for that. So I'm just going to pause a little bit and wait for that. Anybody here this morning? Anybody here? All right, Father, we love you. We praise you, God. Give us a good week, and Lord, help us to remember to be thankful for all that you are and have done in our lives, and help us to share that with others, God. We are so grateful for what you've done for us, and we're going to promise, Lord, today as a family that we're going to do our best to help people understand that they are free and pardoned from all the, the, the vices of hell to keep them bound up. Lord, what a great Christmas present that would be to get freed up from bondage that has been plaguing them for years. And uh, we pray this, and we ask it all in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said amen. 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 Hey, guys, have a great Christmas week. A couple things, too, next week. What did I say? You know what I meant. <laughs> have a great Thanksgiving. Next Sunday, um, I'm going to be here, but Pastor Eric is going to be bringing the word, so I'm pumped for that. So uh, make sure you're here. Bring a friend. Um, hey, and then the next week, listen up, the next, the first Sunday in December, I'm going to be uh, speaking on um, the helmet of salvation. So this would be a great week. Uh, every week's a great week to bring a friend, but just know for sure on the first Sunday that if you have a friend that doesn't know Jesus, because I'm going to break down the gospel because the helmet of salvation, we're going to talk about that. But I'm going to break down the gospel very super clear and easy for the non-believer. So if you have a friend that doesn't know Jesus, this would be a great service. Any service is great, but this is going to be, for, for what I'm preparing, is going to be great for per people that don't know and uh, never heard the gospel and need a simple thing. First week in December. So, All right, so next week, Pastor Eric's coming on. Bring a friend, guys. Let's have this thing grow and get more people saved and set free. Amen? Amen. All right, have a great week.